This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mike Tukin. He joined Talend as CEO recently, but before that was CEO of Rapid7, a security software startup that provides one of the leading security assessment platforms. He joined Rapid7 in 2008 and grew the company by 10x in just four and a half years. Rapid7 was consistently one of the fastest growing companies in Boston and was recognized as the best place to work by the Boston Business Journal. All right, Mike, are you ready to take us to the top? You bet. Good Uh, morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining. So tell us about Talend. What's the business model and what do you guys do? So Talent is a software company that's all about helping companies take advantage of their data, right? We started out years ago because companies have an enormous amount of data that they simply can't use because it's in the wrong place, it's in the wrong format, it's dirty, it's inconsistent. And until you solve those problems, you can't use your data. So that's what we solve. And what's the revenue model? Is it pure SaaS? Yes, it is. Pure subscription. Okay. And take us more here. Give us the backstory. Um, what are, com- I mean, so we get a sense of the kinds of customers using you. Are we talking customers paying on average, you know, 10 bucks a month, 10 grand a month, 10 million a year? What are you guys generally playing in? Uh, customers tend to be spending, let me see, fifty dollars to $60,000 per year on average that's, per customer. That's helpful. Okay, good. So fifty grand a year. And then give us more of the backstory here. So it said you joined the company. Were you, uh, how did the initial founders bring you in? And were they seducing you or were you seducing them? Uh, they were seducing me. So the initial founders uh, started the company in France. There were two French entrepreneurs. And um, they grew the company from zero to $50 million in revenue. In and what years were this? Jeez, uh, they started the company in... 2005. And um, I came in in 2013. So over eight years, they grew up from zero to 50 million. And um, we're really looking for someone to take it to the next level and then ultimately take it public. And so they and the board were looking to bring me in. Got it. So 2013, you joined, they're doing about 50 million bucks in ARR. Update us today. Where are you at in terms of total customers using the platform? Uh, We have uh, over 1500 customers using the platform right now. Um, and business has been growing over 40% a year for the last couple of years. And, um, you know, right now analysts are estimating that we'll get between 145 to 150 million in revenue in this calendar year. Uh, I was going to last calendar year. Sorry. Last calendar. Yeah. I was going to say, if I take 1500 customers today times an ACV of call it 50 grand at a minimum, you're doing about 6.2 million bucks a month currently, or about 75 million bucks in ARR today. Is that accurate generally? Uh, no, that's actually way low. Okay. What's wrong? My customer account number or is your ARPU too, your, your ACV is too low? Well, what's going on is, is a couple of things. The deal size I cited is actually an upfront deal size. And then customers add, um, you know, we have a 120% net expansion rate every year. So customer, the, the total size of a customer um, grows over time above the initial deal size. Um, that's thing number one. Thing number two is, 
I said over 1500. And so the number is over 1500. It's not exactly 1500. Got it. Okay. So where are you at today? You said your, your analysts are predicting you'll break hundred million this year, or you've already passed hundred million. No, we did hundred million in revenue in 2016, the year that we went public. Got it. Okay. So in, in 2017, last year, analysts um, estimated we'll do a, uh, between 145 to 150. We haven't released our earnings report for Q4, so I can't be any more precise than that. Got it. Okay, good. But generally speaking, still healthy 40% year over year growth. That's right. Okay. 40%. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. A lot of people, uh, they say once you make a man or woman wealthy, it's very hard to motivate them. Or once you make them rich, it's hard to stay motivated. Uh, You took the company public. You made it to the top of the hill. What's still motivating you? Well, I tell you what, we're just getting started. Um, You know, we are right now a a pimple on the tail of the flea on the dog. I mean, we're such a small part of an enormous market that, you know, for us, the opportunity is not to take a company public but to really be the leader in an enormous market, right? Where the people spend $16 billion a year solving the kind of problems that we solve. And for us at, you know, rounding to 150 million, we are such a small part of that business right now that we have a lot of room to grow in the coming years. How do you look at, you know, actually yesterday we had Billion from Datastax. Now, they've obviously raised significant capital. You could argue the $109 million they did in 2014 was essentially going public. Uh, but how do you look at a company like that in terms of either partnering with them or, you know, preventing them from eroding your market share? Or, or you know, how do you view a company like that? So they're, they're basically um, one of a number of partners. And so anyone that has a database technology, uh, Datastax clearly being one, or a data processing technology, like you know, all of the big, um, uh, you know, uh, public cloud companies have both databases and data processing technologies. Our friends over at Databricks have Spark. All of those players are partners of ours, and we leverage all of them because our customers want to use the best processing technologies in the world, the best data technologies in the world, and so we help them take advantage of all of that technology. And you know, for us, we're we're kind of a Switzerland in between all of that. If uh, acquisitions to drive growth became a key part of your strategy, is Datastax too big for you guys to acquire? Most definitely. And also a little anti-strategy. Because once we were to um, you know, really be a, a, a database technology company ourselves, we'd be competing with a whole bunch of our partners, right? Which would be a little hard for us. Position-wise, yeah. it'd be hard for us to play. Yeah, I, um, I, For us, you know, when, we, when we think about acquisitions, we've done a few. We just did one a couple of months ago. Most of what we target tend to be relatively smaller companies. How small? Uh, well, we just did one that had zero revenue. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get much smaller than that. Yeah. Yeah. They had about uh, 15 to 20 people. And that's really kind of directly in the, the target wheelhouse for us. And, you know, for us, you know, zero or a couple million dollars in revenue, but most importantly, a great team and great technology that, you know, either deepens some technology that we already are building or, broadens us into new markets that we're not currently serving. That's exactly for us the wheelhouse of what we're looking for. Growing the business through acquiring revenue is a um, historically a um, much riskier game to play at an early stage. Name, and so we're shying away from that right now. Name two markets you're really interested in right now, whether you're going to build it yourself or you know acquire something or whatever. Um, <laughs> It's hard to name markets that we're not already in, but I can certainly name uh, some of the markets that we've been building into in the sure. last couple of years that we're not yet the leader in, but we're on the path. Um, yeah, name two. So, yeah, so one of them would be the self-service data integration market. And that's a market where um, companies are, rather than using data engineers, you know, developer kind of people, 
to solve their data integration problems, to blend data together, to clean it up and so on, allowing anyone who's just a data analyst to do it for themselves. If you're comfortable using Excel and, and a tool like Tableau, then here's a way for you to solve that same kind of data integration problem in a much, much simpler um, approach. Um, that would be one. Uh, another approach is um, data governance. Um, one of the problems that every customer has is figuring out what happens, you know, um, what happened to the data along the way, right? For this data in this financial report, where did this particular field come from and what happened to it along the way? And then, by the way, if I were to change this field in this database, what's impacted, right? Which other databases, which other field, which other downstream things get touched? So those kind of impact analysis and, and so-called lineage of where did something come from, those are real important problems for companies to solve as they become more and more data-driven. This is analogous to the tomato in Walmart where you want to track the embodied energy and the carbon footprint where it was grown in China, shipped to the U.S., and you want to understand all the things that factor that whole supply chain, right? Exactly, exactly. That's the data version of that same problem. As I'm traveling the world on planes, trains, and automobiles, you know, guys hear it. I'm closing loads of different deals, whether it's buying a company, closing a new account for gitlatka.com, you name it, I've got to do it. And part of my issue is signing documents while I'm on the road. So I just found this new tool. I'm using it pretty aggressively. It's called Sign Easy. So you can get started for free at gitsigneasy.com forward slash podcast. You'll see contracts that I've signed there and and boy, oh boy, are they big and they work and the app is so easy to use. Get started today at GetSignEasy.com forward slash podcast. Walk me through more of the story. Uh, what incentivized you to join, right? Walk me through that. And the reason is we have a lot of listeners that might be at the same stage, call it 10, 20, 30, 40, maybe even 50 million in, in ARR. They're looking to bring in a, a CEO. How should they approach that? You know, for me, it was a no-brainer. So what I was looking for was a big market where I like the competitive setup, um, a company that had a great team and a unique competitive approach to that market. And every company that's looking to bring in a CEO is going to have problems. And so the questions were, what were the problems the company had? And they're ones that I felt comfortable that were, I could solve. They were right in my wheelhouse. And, um, you know, for talent, you know, we had, it was a $16 billion market. It was dominated by the, the big legacy incumbents, the IBMs and Oracles and Informaticas of the world. Um, we had a unique and, and wildly disruptive approach. And we had a, a team that had a great technology team and a great product, but um, weren't as strong on the sales and marketing side. And you know, all of, obviously an eminently fixable problem. What are you guys at today in terms of total team size? Uh, we just crossed over 900 yesterday, apparently. Nine, that's a lot of expense. <laughs> just kidding positive oh are you that's great i was gonna say you're you're if your team's listening i'm sure some are they, they'd kill me if i just categorize them as an expense they're much more than that but uh that's good your cash flow positive 900 people and what percentage of those or how many of them are sales and marketing um good question probably this is a rough estimate um somewhere between 30 to 40 percent is going to be sales and marketing and nearly a similar number is going to be engineering right those are going to be your two biggest expenses in any, you know, strategic technology company. Got it. Uh, last few economics questions before we wrap up with the famous five. Um, how many dollars do you have to spend to drive an additional dollar in ARR today? Um, right now, I'm going to flip that number around and, and use a, a slightly um, 
actually less favorable to the company metric, but it's the right metric. Um, the way we look at it is um, how long does it take, how many months does it take to pay back the gross margin of an ACV subscription, right? And that's the most stringent measure, and it's the exact right measure, I believe, because it tells you um, if that number is relatively short, you should be piling on the coals and investing in sales and marketing. If it's relatively long, you need to fix it. What is account. relatively short? Uh, ours is about 18 months right now. Okay, so is that short or long? To, that's, uh, that is a very good number that, that compares favorably with uh, most companies uh, that are at scale in the business today. Got it. You're talking about other public companies at your size. They remember you spending more than that. That's right. And, yeah. you know, there's a whole number of really egregious companies. And our history, when I came in, um, our, um, you know, we were spending, it was taking us well over two years and probably two and a half years to pay back our ACV gross margin um, of the sales and marketing expense. And um, the, uh, you know, so the, fo- the first job that we did was to fix our sales and marketing economics. And so when we benchmarked ourselves back then, we did a whole bunch of benchmarking. We were definitely in the bottom quartile. And then as we went public, we were right around the middle of the pack. And um, right now we're sitting, you know, right at the uh, in the top quartile. And so, you know, that transition has really been all about improving sales productivity and improving that um, uh, gross margin uh, payback period. And just to round up the numbers associated with that equation, what is your gross margin today? Uh, 87%. Okay. So you're taking essentially your ACV of 50 grand. The gross margin ACV would be obviously multiplying times the the you know eighty seven percent. So your your gross margin ACV is forty three five, and what you're saying is it takes you uh, about you know that times almost another full year. So call it somewhere around seventy grandish or eighteen months to get that fully paid back. That's exactly right. Got it. Interesting. That's really interesting. Um, what other metrics things had to change as you went public? Um, so for us, when, when we were contemplating going public, the first question that we had was really what was the, the financial story that we wanted to build? And so we did this, you know, obviously when I came in in 2013, went public in 2016, uh, two and a half years later. Um, and so the, what we decided was based on our um, historical roots as a, as a European, as a French company, and we had a much more conservative financial profile than most U.S. companies. And so we felt like the approach that we're going to take was going to be a balanced plan approach, where we had not just what we call these days a growth at any cost kind of model, where you're willing to burn crazy amounts of money and have a kind of a negative 80 percent, a negative 100 percent EBIT kind of profile, but instead have a model that had moderate losses being cash flow neutral or cash flow positive in the year of the IPO, which we were. Um, and growing at a healthy pace. And at, at the time, uh, that meant as we were going public, we're growing in the 30s, and then we accelerated through the next year and ultimately ended up growing at um, around 40% for the last couple of years. Do you regret going public? No, it's been a great experience. It's been good. And it gives our customers a ton of transparency. When you're selling to large enterprise companies, one of the things that they're always wondering about is, are you going to be a key partner of theirs you know, five or 10 years from now. And having transparency in your balance sheet and your financials is a really important part of that, right? So there's, there's nowhere to hide, right? If you're a private company, they always have that question in the back of their mind of, will you still be there for me? And this, you know, now we can say, look, you know, here we are. Yeah. We're growing one of the fastest growing companies in the space. 
um, we're at scale and we're cash flow positive. It's a pretty simple story. You've added to your uh, your sales call, like your sales team, their scripted responses to overcome that objection. The response is now, uh, we're public, right? Yeah, we'll be around. <laughs> exactly. Go read our earnings report. There you go. All right, Mike, let's wrap up here with the famous five. One word answers. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, execution. If I only get to choose one word. Just one. Execution by Larry Bossidy. <laughs> All right, number two, name a CEO in your city that you really love just jamming with over dinner. It's always a good brainstorm. Um, Steve Singh. He's on our board too, which is a super opportunity for me. Steve Singh. All right, number three, besides your own, what's your favorite tool for building the company? Um, my favorite tool for building the company? Wow. Like some online wow. tool you use pretty frequently. Wow. Well, I'll go to salesforce.com. Everyone uses that, right? <laughs> All right. Number uh, four, how many hours of sleep to get every night? Uh, between eight and nine. Eight, okay, that's pretty healthy. Good. And then what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Uh, we're married. I've got one kid. Married and one kiddo. And how old are you? Uh, 52. All right, Mike. Last question. Take us back to your 20-year-old self. What do you wish you knew? You know, for me, I, I love the experience I've had since then. So to me, it's just keep doing what you're doing. Rock yeah. and roll. <laughs> keep doing what you're doing you guys heard it here from mike he joined talent back in 2013 after this the the founders launched the company uh you know prior to that in 2005 grew it to about 50 million bucks in arr he then came in more than doubled the revenue with the sole goal of helping it go get to go uh, public, obviously in December, or sorry, in 2016, they did go public. They're growing 40% year over year. They've got 120% net revenue expansion annually. By the way, Billy said yesterday, they're doing data stacks about 110%. So Mike, you win that little battle. Uh, their, uh, their payback period is about 18 months. Their team of 900 folks based all around the world. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thank you, Dave.